This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, Chad. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's actually my brother's birthday, so just had uh, dinner with him to sort of celebrate. We'll do more this weekend, but that, that's, that's what I got going on. What about you? Nice. Um, not a whole lot. Life's kind of... January has seemed like three months long, so I'm ready for it to be over. Um, yeah. Been a big month. Well, speaking of big mon- months and actually big many months, uh, it seems Apple Podcasts caught up on reviews that a lot of you have been leaving. We have lots of new ones. There's one that is from a name that is impossible to pronounce, uh, to pronounce, so I'm not even going to make an attempt. It's just a whole bunch of consonants. There's one from DKR42, Bartlett CR, CMNMMB. Lund757, Cam1227, Hannah Marie3, Kareensas, Kai H, Thornton Wilder00, and Adam Emmett. So thank you, all of you, for the reviews. It was a nice surprise earlier this week when uh, I checked and I was like, oh, there's all the reviews. <laughs> because uh, until <laughs> this, we hadn't had any new reviews appear since October 30th. So it, it was, it's awesome. Yeah, we were kind of thinking, like, oh, I wonder what's going on with the lack of uh, reviews. But we are finally caught up, and so we can read all those finally. We also have a Facebook recommendation from Robert. So thank you so much for Robert for reaching out on Facebook and for recommending us to your friends. And with that, let's just go ahead and jump right into our episode discussion. Uh, the first one is for The Search. It aired on February 3rd of 2011, was directed by Michael Spiller, who I think is another new name to the series. I'm not positive, but I'm not familiar with that name. And it was written by Brent Forrester. Michael's very bad day turns worse when he gets left at a gas station by Jim in an emergency. He spends the day wandering and trying to get home, while employees from the office try to track him down. Meanwhile, Pam starts a caption contest in the office, much to Gabe's protest. So the episode starts off with Michael just straight up confronting Holly. He says, you know, what is taking so long? We both know we're going to date, so why not just do it now? Like, why Why the drama? Why the the waiting period after you breaking up with AJ. Again, we don't really know for sure if she broke up with AJ since she did say we're taking time off or taking a break. But Michael is still insisting, you're broken up. Why not just start now? And she says, how do you know that we're going to date? I I can't get into this situation where I just keep dating whoever I'm working with. And she says, you know, you can understand that, Michael. Surely you can understand that. He says, I understand, but I don't agree. <laughs> And so that, that's the conflict that this episode starts off with is Michael is in a bad mood for most of the episode because this relationship he thinks is inevitable is being delayed because it's maybe not as inevitable as he thinks it is. Yeah, it gets pretty heated between Michael and Holly. Probably their first big, I mean, it, it, it feels like a fight. There's no yelling really, but it feels like a fight. And, um, Michael, as you said, is just in a really bad mood for the whole day. He and Jim are out on a sales call, and Jim recognizes immediately that Michael is going to not be a lot of fun to hang out with today. He is not looking forward to sitting in a car with him. And sure enough, Michael is annoyed and taking it out on Jim. So these plot lines kind of interline here, uh, interweave. Jim has stopped at a gas station uh, because Michael needs to use the restroom. So Michael's in the bathroom when Jim gets a call from Helene, Pam's mom, who's watching Cece. Helene has accidentally locked the baby in the car, and the baby has a fever. 
So Jim has to run. He has to leave. And Michael won't come out of the bathroom. So Jim kind of panics and tells the nearest guy to tell Michael to call the office. But that's all he can do when he leaves. So now Michael exits the bathroom alone. Can't find his friend. Doesn't have his phone or his wallet. Has had a crap day. Hence the whole episode here. So he kind of goes on what he calls a walkabout. He even tells the camera crew to go away. But again, Michael, who's not the most uh, resourceful guy, has no means of contact right now. It's almost like Survivor Man, where he tried to rough it alone for a while, but uh, the camera crew and Dwight followed him along anyways. When the office learns that Michael has uh, been deposited here and doesn't have a means to get home, Holly, despite their argument, is the first to volunteer to go pick him up. And Aaron and Dwight do go with her. So they start to pursue Michael, starting off at his last known location, which Michael wasn't smart enough to just stay at for somebody to come get him. That's not fair. He had no reason to necessarily believe that they were coming for him. But anyways, he's wandering. And so they they start following Michael's footsteps. And only Holly is able to predict Michael's somewhat random uh, next moves because they think in the same way. Uh, she says from the gas station, oh, you don't think he went that way just to walk by the bakery for the smell of it? And sure enough, the the gas station attendant, who, by the way, uh, was Pillboy in The Good Place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's something I hadn't made yeah. connection before because it's the first time I've watched since The Good Place. But anyways, he confirms it. And Michael also goes into a pet store. Uh, They go to a Chinese restaurant only to see if the egg rolls are really as big as advertised. That's on Holly's suggestion as well. Uh, Not even a suggestion. It's not like she's necessarily looking for Michael. It's just, oh, this sounds like fun. This is my next train of thought. It's almost like a squirrel distracted by the next thought or a dog distracted by a squirrel is probably a better analogy. So she's just following her own interests. And that just happens to align perfectly with Michael's interests. And Dwight especially is astounded because he prides himself to be a good tracker and knowledgeable and Michael, but here he's the one failing to track his boss down who he's been so loyal to over the years. And Holly is much more successful. Dwight seems to think that Holly and Michael have this shared mind, one mind situation. And Aaron, meanwhile, is still completely not thrilled with Holly. She even says, oh, Holly wandered off like an idiot. No, I mean, she's actually correctly predicting where Michael's going to go. And she's not even sure of that herself. She's just curious in the same things Michael's curious in. Are the egg rolls that big? Well, Michael wondered the same thing. So Michael decides to go to this Chinese restaurant um, with the egg rolls. He goes in, he eats. um, He claims he left his wallet in the car and asks to go get it. The waiter has no problem with this. So Michael leaves. And he comes back immediately um, to kind of renege and say, no, I was lying. Um, I was going to skip the bill. I mean, good on him and his conscience. He would have gotten away with it or he could have gotten away with it and chose not to. Still not a great idea to go to a restaurant and know you can't pay for it. But I got to say, I mean, at least he didn't just walk out. He kind of confessed to his crimes. Uh, He wasn't even out the door before he changed his mind. But as we said, Holly and, and Dwight and Aaron showed up at the restaurant just moments after Michael left. And then at this point, Holly is fed up with Dwight thinking that she and Michael share this common mind. And um, she's going to go up high alone and search for him on the street below. Aaron quietly decides to follow Holly. I said, is her dislike for Holly finally over? I mean, she's finally trusting Holly's gut. 
Turns out Michael has done the same thing, looking for the office. He's gone up high to look for the office. Finally, Holly and Michael are at the end of this long day. The, the only person, really, that Michael wants to see is Holly, and she's found him. Michael is obviously glad to see her, and he confesses, I miss you so much. And Holly, at the end of this, as you said, long day, I think she finally realizes, wow, we do have so much in common. We really do think the same. We really do have uh, the same interests. There's no reason, there's no logical explanation for the fact that we ended up in the same place at the same time at the end of the day without following a map, without having instructions, without having any sort of communication. There's no logical explanation except for the fact that they're just a perfect fit for each other. So when Michael says, I miss you so much, she reciprocates. She says, I miss you too. And good on Michael. He asks if he can kiss her at this point. He He's done trying to force them to happen because she's been so resistant to that. But she relents. She she says, yes, kiss me. And so that they kiss. It's a really nice moment. And it's, it's not she's relenting to Michael. She's finally relenting to, I think, her own desire. She's finally admitting to herself that there was an inkling of wanting to be with Michael again or having some sort of feelings for Michael again that contributed towards her uh, ending things with AJ. So it's a really sweet moment. They are kissing. Uh, you mentioned Aaron earlier. I think Aaron is finally starting to get it. Remember, she had the quote, the talking head a couple of episodes ago she, where she says, I don't get it. Like she didn't understand Michael's interest in this person. But seeing how similar Holly is to Michael and how able she was to follow in Michael's footsteps, uh, I, I think she finally gets it and understands okay, there's more than just physical attraction here. There's a real emotional connection because they think on so much of the same, so many of the same levels. Yeah, it was helpful that Aaron uh, chose to follow Holly up to the roof um, because she got to witness Michael's happiness in being reunited with Holly that way. So I think that kind of sealed the deal for her. We see her smile at their reunion. So that's basically the end of the Michael storyline at this point for this episode. That's the bulk of the episode there, but there's also a... Pam Gabe line here. So Jim has put up one of Pam's sketches on the fridge. It's a drawing of a saber printer. People start writing captions underneath it. It turns into this impromptu caption contest. And Gabe is very displeased with the mockery of saber. People were really into the uh, caption contest, though. So Pam is going to drop something more challenging, hopefully not saber related, uh, because Gabe is just he takes it very personally that anyone would insult um, or even just poke fun at the company or the product. Yeah, he makes these stupid rules. He says, first off, you can't make fun of Sabre. You can't make fun of the company you're working at, uh, which I guess is somewhat understandable. But Oscar is quick to point out irony is such a critical part of humor is what I think he's going to say. It's such a critical part of what we're trying to do here. And then Gabe says, OK, the second rule is no pop culture references. Because it makes those who don't understand the reference feel like the other, which I'm almost positive is a reference to Lost. So way to go. Screen up your own rule as you give it, Gabe. See, I don't even know for sure because I don't watch Lost. And so I feel like the other, Katie. <laughs> it, I, I'm, he's at least using the same words that Lost would have used. He's probably, he's probably quoting it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, and his third rule is that they have to use Saber's new sticky quips, which are basically just sticky notes that are shaped like speech bubbles. Silly stuff. And nobody's into Gabe's rules. So they turn to instant message instead and they send the quotes to Pam. And so some of them are about Saber still, um, but most of them are directed towards insulting Gabe. And I do think it's a little bit unfair, but I think Gabe also brought it upon himself because he he changed the target that they were aiming at in the first place. It never would have turned on him if he hadn't just allowed them to have a little bit of fun at their company's expense. So there's nothing wrong with that. This is an internal memo. So sorry, Gabe, but I mean, it's kind of your own fault a little bit. <laughs> I also like that the entire office basically together decided not to play by Gabe's rules. No one's going to use sticky quips. No one's going to not insult the company. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they all decided to IM these to Pam. So just completely tearing down Gabe's rules. And they all did that together, which is kind of fun because it's not going to be fun if they don't do it their way. We could have a quick Gabe roast session. Let's. <laughs> okay. First up, uh, this is from Angela. Is that a palm tree or did Gabe get skinnier? Either way, let's pee on it. <laughs> So that was the winner. Yeah, that was a winner. It was a surprise, uh, sort of a shot coming from Angela. Nobody knew who it was from. We're not sure of who said the rest of these, as far as I am aware. Uh, we have, darn it, Bob, I told you not to buy a Sabre brand lifeboat. Oh, we should mention that the sketch is of two, it's either two tall dogs, two very, very large dogs on a regular sized island, or a very, very small island housing two very small normal sized dogs. So that's that's where we're at. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there was a lifeboat one. There was wake up Fred, the power cord on your saber printer shocked you into a coma and you're dreaming that you're a dog on a desert island. There was oh thank God, I had a horrible nightmare that I was stuck in America with Gabe. <laughs> there was I know what it smells like, but I didn't roll in anything. It's just from listening to all of Gabe's bull. Isn't this the perfect romantic getaway, Aaron? Sitting on a deserted island wearing dog costumes? I'm Gabe, and I'm a weirdo. (laughs) Nice one, Andy. You're you're so clever. Gabe's mom. Hmm. Gabe's mom? Wait, tall woman looks like Gabe? Yeah, I banged her. I think that's actually the worst one. Yeah. (laughs) Like, as far as being mean goes. (laughs) And then, of course, there was Gabe's, which was the only one that was not insulting to either the company or to Gabe. You don't have to sniff my rear end anymore, Bob. I'm the only one here. <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny, but everybody yeah. else said it was tasteless. But uh, okay, to each his own. Uh, the last little character snippet to mention before we get to funny moments is Ryan and Kelly. And this is the cold open. Uh, there's sad news. They announced to the office that they are getting a divorce. Yeah. Man, that's sad. Oh, also, like a week ago, they got married. <laughs> and Andy, Andy asks, and you didn't invite any of us? And Ryan says, we are getting divorced, Andy. This is such a raw time. <laughs> and so Kelly explains, we were having a beautiful weekend at the Poconos. We were making love constantly. We saw the sunrise. Ryan was crying a lot. And then she continues, and in the morning, we walked by a chapel and we stopped suddenly. And Ryan said, I don't think I should be married to you anymore. So based on everyone else's reaction, which is a sort of disbelief and disinterest, Kelly starts to doubt whether they should divorce. Ryan remains adamant that they should get divorced. Uh, he says, I don't want to get married until everyone can get married. Just like some BS excuse. 
And Oscar speaks up and says, you know what, Ryan? I talked to the other gay guys and we're okay with it. We agree it's fine if you got married. <laughs> I don't understand their their ploy here, except to maybe just get attention, um, which was, of course, Kelly's New Year resolution. So she's getting it. Yeah. I, I like their divorce story because it sounds like they're telling the story of them deciding to get married. Mm-hmm. You know, it was this beautiful, romantic weekend in the Poconos. We were making love and we passed by a chapel and we got married, you know, but no, no. instead they got divorced. <laughs> we got divorced. Oh, yeah. and yeah, by the way, we also got married. Uh, right. But to, to end the cold open, they initially said the divorce was amicable, but uh, and that they didn't want people taking sides. But when Kelly starts to sort of change her mind, Ryan asks for everyone to take sides. And so they, they take a vote, but nobody raises their hand for either side because nobody cares. <laughs> nobody wants to get in the middle of this. Good lead in there into funny moments because that while a character bit is quite funny as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with Michael. So after being asked by Holly why he's so certain that they should be back together, Michael says, well, why does the sun rise in the morning? Why do magnets stick together? Because everybody says so. Everybody. Yeah. That, that's... that's not why those things happen. <laughs> because they say so. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, recognizing that Michael's in a bad mood, says someone's in a bad mood. Michael says, no, I'm not. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm not. Jim, hello? Okay, fine. Ignore me. Have it your way. Let's just talk about you, as always. Is sex different after the baby, Jim? <laughs> and so Mike, that's when Jim decides, uh, let's turn on some music. And then Michael decides at that point that he needs to pee. Uh, Jim says, okay, you can wait 10 minutes until we get back to the office. And Michael says, what part of I need to pee do you not understand? I'm upset. My bladder is full. There is no telling what I might do right now all over the inside of your precious little car. (laughs) Jim says, well, all all right. Well, if I see a gas station, I'll pull over, Michael. Well, I hope I make it. He's actually like a teenager. He's just sullen and cranky. And it's... I've had students with that attitude before. Like, if you won't let me go to the restroom right now, well, I'll just be here. I'm like, okay, feel free. Like, enjoy what the kids have to say about you after that. Yeah, right. Michael, after, of course, stealing from the Chinese food restaurant, um, gets his picture taken at the restaurant with a sign that says thief. And we see that Creed also has stolen from this restaurant and has a, uh, a portrait up on the wall. There's actually two of Creed, which is the best part. There's Creed uh, looking normal and there's one directly to the left where he's wearing uh, like a, a short black wig as well. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah, pretty great. <laughs> Uh, one of Michael's stops on his tour of Scranton uh, is at a pet store. And so he's talking to some puppies. He says, hey, you guys, listen to me. Don't get hung up on just one girl because there are a whole lot of other girls out there. Look over there. See? And he's looking at some other puppies. They look cute. Then talking to the parrots, he says, hello, you guys are so beautiful. You're so colorful. I wish I could understand you. That's a metaphor, I guess. <laughs> is it? <laughs> and then there's a snake, and he says, you are disgusting. You'll never find love. Yuck. <laughs> and then the last one is when he tries to have a serious conversation with the puppy. He says, do you think she needs more time, or is it never going to happen? And the puppy licks his nose because it's a puppy. He says, I'm being serious. Seriously. <laughs> Speaking of the Chinese restaurant, Dwight is looking for Michael at this restaurant. And he's being super offensive and assuming that the waiter doesn't speak any English. And so he starts speaking this broken English um, very loudly and he's miming actions. 
which way did he go? That way, that way, I don't know. And he's being really just offensive. And then the waiter completely deadpans his response in perfect English. I think he's going downtown <laughs> or something. Just and Dwight's like, oh, I that, guess you do. That scene English. always makes me laugh a lot, but I know it's also really offensive. Yeah. He, Dwight is just so tone deaf. Uh, it's like half the office though. Yeah, that's true. Uh and that's why we love it. <laughs> uh, at the very beginning of the episode, as Jim and Michael are heading out the door, uh, Jim tells Pam that, you know, I put some, I put your art up somewhere. And he starts to give her hints as he's leaving. He says, number one, when you're getting colder, you're actually getting warmer. And she gets it right away. The fridge. And he continues anyways. Number two, you have a better chance if you think Bob Vance. He says again, the fridge, I get it. He says, number three. You know what? Just think about it. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's just such a cute little moment where he, he's playing around with her. What with Pam and Dwight? So Pam is at the office while Dwight and Aaron and Holly are out. And Pam gives Dwight a call. She says, hey, while you're out, could you pick up some paper towels and chocolate syrup? We have ice cream. So I thought, you know, we could have a, a party. And um, Dwight turns her down. He says, Pam, this isn't a shopping trip. This is a manhunt slash rescue mission. Pam says, okay, well, you know, just when you're done, I just thought maybe you could go to the store. And then he kind of interrupts her. She says, Pam, obviously I'm going to get that stuff for you, so just shut up. <laughs> and Pam says, well, it wasn't obvious. And so Dwight hangs up. Um, it's just, it's equal parts rude and sweet that he was like, obviously I'm going to get that for you. I'm your right. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Uh, Aaron has a talking head. She says, Holly is ruining Michael's life. He thinks she is so special and she's so not. Her personality is like a three. Her sense of humor is a two. Her ears are like a seven and a four. Add it all up and what do you get? 16. And he treats her like she's a perfect 40. It's nuts. I would so much like to look further into this rating system she has created for herself. Personality, humor, and ears. Uh, That's... The, the important qualities in a woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Aaron addressing the gas station attendant. Um, like she's posting a flyer for a missing dog, he answers to Michael, Michael G. Scott, Michael J. Fox, Mr. Fox, the incredible Mr. Fox. So <laughs> call Michael those and he'll answer. Uh, when Gabe introduces the sticky quips, he says, sticky quips are fun. They're safe. They're handy. I like to use sticky quips as regular post-it notes when I'm in a fun mood. He does this weird laugh. <laughs> not every day. Instant straight face. <laughs> no, I'm not in a fun mood every day, so I'm not going to use sticky quips every day. Not every day. <laughs> and then maybe my last one um after gabe turns around after having read the ims that he printed out he's got sticky quips on his back with notes from people who i've guessed are just slapped him on his back all day kind of like kick me signs uh one that says do not climb fee fi fo fum and oil me were the ones i saw mm -hmm. there was also a drawing of a butt farting yes oh that's right of course <laughs> <laughs> In regards to her caption, Angela says, oh, please, it was easy once I decided I wanted the dog to piss on Gabe, which is kind of like strong language for Angela, I think. I mean, piss isn't a bad word yeah. necessarily, but I know I, I wasn't allowed to say it when I was a kid, but no. I don't know. It, it's, it's very unladylike for Miss Angela Martin. <laughs> and my last one, just one quick creed thing that makes me laugh. When the first captions of Pam's printer drawing, the one that Jim hung up, are read out. Oscar makes a joke about the color of the printer's gloves not being correct because the color cartridge panel got jammed again. And everyone laughs, including Creed, and he speaks up and he goes, <laughs> gloves. Like he thinks that that's the funny part. <laughs> not, not the actual joke content, but 
just gloves. That's that's what's funny to Creed. So moving into our second episode of discussion, PDA. It aired February 10th, 2011, directed by Greg Daniels and written by Robert Padnick. With their relationship newly restarted, Michael and Holly are obsessive in their physical affection, to a pretty disturbing degree even for Valentine's Day. After making everyone else uncomfortable, they are forced to refrain from touching each other, forcing themselves to figure out exactly what they're trying to accomplish in dating each other again. Uh, real quick, before we get started, I just want to say how great it is to finally talk about Michael and Holly in a relationship again, rather than try to like keep that secret. Because I mean, we've made no secret that we like Holly a lot and we like Michael and Holly together a lot. And obviously we've seen the series before, so we knew this was coming, uh, but it's, it's just nice to finally be like, yes, they are in a relationship again. Good for them. Which is a still a pretty large leap from the last episode where the last thing we saw was just them kissing. They didn't talk about feelings really besides i missed you or i miss Mm -hmm. you and now they cannot keep their hands off each other so in the amount of time that passed um they are not only in a relationship but very physical Mm -hmm. and it's only been a week yeah so yes pda has become an issue in the office since the two started dating and oscar is trying to show uh michael a financial presentation and for instance holly is there rubbing michael's hand and she does not need to be in this meeting in conference room meetings, they sit on each other's lap. Like they're just kissing and doing weird couple stuff that no one wants to see. <laughs> it's it, like lots of loud, obnoxious kissing. And that weird hand holding thing is it is the most uncomfortable thing to watch because it's just like they're fondling each other's hand. And it's it's just like snakes. It's a constant movement. And it, it, no, thank you. I don't want to watch that anymore. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, talking about it in the break room later, everyone else in the office is talking about, you know, it's so inappropriate, all this excessive PDA. But obviously, I'm so happy for both of them. I love both of them. Uh, but so it, it's a I love them. But I'm, I'm glad everybody else in the office is on board with Michael and Holly being together. It's just the gross stuff that they're doing in front of everybody that they have a problem with. And so it eventually leads into Gabe calling a conference room meeting uh, because it is so excessive. And even in the conference room meeting, they are so completely obnoxious. They're unaware of how much they're touching each other until they are specifically called out. Oscar taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, are you two listening to this? Because obviously Gabe called this meeting for you too, for what you are doing right now in front of everybody. And they're kind of indignant at first. Michael says, okay, well, if we can't do it in public, then let's create hookup rooms. We're going to start, we're going to have a closet. And then somebody says, well, what if more than one couple wants to go at once? Okay, we'll have three closets, one for each base and then no home runs. That's gross. No, thank you. But at the end of that, Michael just says, okay, fine. We won't touch each other, despite how much they want to. Gabe actually addresses Jim and Pam in this meeting that they don't show PDA in the office. He says... Uh, You'd hardly know that they were husband and wife, and Jim and Pam kind of high-five over that. So once Michael and Holly decide that they're not going to do PDA anymore, well, really it was Holly that decided. She decided that if she's making people uncomfortable, she's uncomfortable, which as HR rep, yeah, uh, this is on Mm -hmm. you. This is your thing. You should be the one giving this meeting, not getting lectured by this meeting. So she decides that they'll chill with the PDA and um, Michael decides that the office is just jealous of two people in love on Valentine's Day. Yeah. And Holly questions him. Well, in love. Are they in love? And Michael admits that he is. And Holly tells him that she loves him, too. And that's the first time that they said that one week after getting together, which would be 
very quick, except that we know how compatible they are. And yeah, I mean, this is as close as we've seen Michael to love ever. And he's, I mean, he definitely seems to be in it. It's a huge step. It, it, it really is moving fast for most people. But Michael isn't going to lie about how he feels. He's been away from Holly and not able to date Holly as he's wanted to these past three years. Uh, and the whole time, even when he had other women sort of distracting him, Holly was the one that was sort of his steadfast, always in the back of his head love. So they have a history. They've shown many times that they're they're beyond perfect for each other. Uh, again, they ended up in the same part, in the same place of the city at the same time, just because they have the same train of thought in their interests. I mean, it, it, it doesn't get more perfect than that. So even though when Michael first tells her he loves her, you might cringe a little bit when Holly says she loves him too and falls right back into it. It's almost like, okay, I get it. The The fact that they're both into it, it makes it less weird. So much less weird. It's, it's become a, a very sweet moment in as much time as it was a weird moment, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. But of course they agreed to have no more PDA, so they can't kiss, even though they have just said that they told that <laughs> they love each other for the first time. They're about to kiss. They lean in and Michael turns and just says, I am really disappointed in the office's policy on PDA at this moment. <laughs> and so they shake each um, other's hands. So instead they, they shake you. hands and say, I love you <laughs> again uh, and part ways. And they are just so frustrated and, and mad. And they, they eventually turn it into a game. Uh, they they try to annoy everyone into allowing them to show PDA again by doing the whole, I'm not touching you game that, that like, siblings typically do in the back of the car on road trips uh and this time it's not to annoy each other it's to annoy everybody else gabe thinks this is even worse in some ways he pulls him aside and he suggests a few reasons that he thinks they may be so obsessive with their physical affection at this point number one they're doing drugs they're taking ecstasy no not that one number two They're desperately trying to fit a whole relationship into the few weeks before Toby's jury duty is over and Holly has to go back to Nashua and ding, 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 ding. There it is. And the ball just drops for Michael. He, you, you see the change in his face. This is something I hadn't thought about. Things were going so well for the last week that he didn't even consider that it could end just like that. And so, uh, Gabe's third reason just while we're here is that they're at an age where their sexual climaxes aren't as powerful, so they have to overcompensate with foreplay and taboo behavior. They say it's the third one, but obviously it's the second one. And Michael is very visibly upset by this. He, he, Holly tries to comfort him. He says, you know, we'll date long distance. And he says, we tried that last time and we broke up on the drive there. She says, well, we weren't in love then. He says, I was in love with you. And so Michael wants this to happen, but he just doesn't have the faith in Holly right now after what happened the last time. Uh, but she says, you know, I'm not saying it won't be hard, but we'll make it work. And she adds on a, that's what she said to sort of sweeten the deal. And he, he doesn't buy it at first, but he does eventually sort of come around. So the only thing that's helping Michael right now is Kevin standing outside of his office and and making silly faces, (laughs) doing monkey faces. And he's just He's just distraught. We've we've had a, a pretty bum Michael here in the last few episodes. So Michael goes up to Holly's desk towards the end of the episode and tells her that he loves her so much that they need to break up. He's deciding that he's not going to be able to handle it when she goes back to Nashua and that it's just easier if they do this now rather than later. And Holly 
really talks him off the ledge here. She says, no one knows their future, but especially the company doesn't know it, and she's not going to let the company be the one to dictate their future. The work should not be the reason you don't get to be with someone you love. They decide at that point to move in together, whether that's for a few weeks, whether that's, I mean, we really don't know. Um, But this is them taking control of their lives while they can, Uh, which I think is something really big for Michael. And they talk about this a little bit in the commentary where this is the first time really that Michael has chosen his family as a romantic partner rather than his family being the office and being his friends, and being the company. And he's choosing someone over the company at this point. And I think it's Holly finally being honest with herself, too. I think she broke up. She didn't necessarily strictly break up with Michael back in, what was it called? Employee transfer uh, back in season five. It was just, they they were both scared of what the distance was going to be like. They didn't think they could do it. And the relationship fell apart because of it. But now I think Holly understands exactly how deep their connection is. And I mean, as lame as it is to say, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, they, th- their time apart has only made their relationship now, I think even stronger, especially with Holly seeing these past few episodes. Yeah. Michael made some big mistakes and was kind of cruel at sometimes, but everything he did, he did out of passion for her and out of his feelings for her. And so she understands that she finally reciprocates that she understands that connection. And so she's finally being honest with herself too, in saying, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so it is worth putting in the effort to make it happen. We talked about the deleted scene at the end of the last episode, where Pam went up to Holly and said uh, about AJ, you know, I waited a long time for Jim to propose, but I knew he was going to be the man I married, so it was okay to wait. And Holly didn't feel that with AJ, but it seems that she's maybe feeling that with Michael. And so she's willing to make it work no matter what at this point, which is great. So a small bit of PDA is allowed at the end of the day when they announce that they're moving in together. Um, they said there won't be a need for PDA at the office because we'll have a home together. Uh, when they announce this, Oscar says, oh, go on, kiss each other already. So he they finally get the the blessing from Oscar, who was one of the people who was hardest on them about the PDA. Other things that are happening, as we said, it is Valentine's Day. This all circles around a romantic holiday in the first place. And Gabe has given Aaron a romantic treasure hunt for Valentine's Day. And it starts with a puzzle that she has to put together as the first clue. And she decides she needs help. And she enlists Andy, of all people, to help her out. And it's really awkward. It's very clear that Andy still has some level of feelings for her, and he understands how awkward it is to be helping his ex-girlfriend with her new boyfriend's Valentine's Day surprise. But he goes along with it anyways. They do the treasure hunt together, and it leads to some awkward situations that could be perceived as romantic on their own, specifically the part that leads them to Ryan's office alone with the door closed in the dark with glowing stars all around. And it culminates in the break room where the cookie she gets says, the real treasure is your Valentine's kiss. And Aaron, in her sort of naivety in the moment, thinks it means that, oh, I guess we have to kiss right now, her and Andy. But he points out, nope, look behind you. Gabe is standing awkwardly in the the blinds and blows her a kiss. And Andy leaves. And what's interesting here is that uh, Aaron looks a little bit bummed 
about it because she did have a good time spending Valentine's Day with Andy instead of with Gabe. Uh, so much for Gabe's so-called making romance into a science nonsense. Uh, what better way to spend Valentine's Day with your girlfriend than by making her spend it with somebody else? <laughs> And then really the last storyline here is between Jim and Pam. So they um, went to a Valentine's Day brunch instead of a dinner so that they could have CC that night. There was bottomless champagne at this lunch brunch and they accidentally got kind of drunk. So after discussing um, who may or who may not have had sex in the office, which happened earlier, a tipsy Pam and Jim debate whether or not it's weird to have sex in the office. And then they quietly together decide that it's not that weird and they try to find somewhere to do that today i don't think that they would normally do this except they're pretty drunk oops so first they head up to the sleeping spot in the warehouse to sleep but somebody's already napping there um they head to ryan's office to quote look for ryan at first ryan's not there but then he shows up right behind him and realizes why jim and pam are at his desk they want to have sex he's Flustered, but tells them that they can, and he leaves. And then Jim and Pam see the cameras watching, and, okay, well, we can't do that. That's that's wrong. They have a talking head where they deny, we will never, never, never have sex in the office. But then it shows them in the warehouse again, and Jim's proposing that they have sex in a cardboard box, this large, like, shipping box. But then after Michael announced that he and Holly are moving in together, Jim and Pam enter the office looking awfully guilty and quiet. So it's presumed that they, you know. Yeah, they're slightly disheveled as well. Uh, Pam's yes. shirt is awkwardly tucked in in some places. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> there are a couple funny quotes that have to do with that as well. They have a talking head. They said they never, uh, have never and will never have sex in the office. They have something no one else here has, a home and a bed. And Jim speaks up and says, and a shower and Pam just turns to Jim and I think he realizes what he says and he's just like oh sorry said too much (laughs) and then at the very end uh, after they have entered the office uh, looking like hey they probably just did you know what Uh, they have a talking head where they deny doing that they said they just went for a walk but then Pam has this like quick smile flash across her face she can't hold it in and that's that's that The last couple of character things, uh, really, really quick, small things. There was a sad detail from Andy. I just wanted to mention at the beginning, when Aaron asks him if he's good at jigsaw puzzles, he said, yes, that's all I did at home while my brothers were out sailing. So there's some more of Andy's family backstory we're learning. Um, And I don't think it's spoiling anything to say we get more of that in future seasons. Uh, So we're still just getting little morsels of it. And also about Andy, he has a new girlfriend that he met at Daryl's cousin's party. We don't meet her in this episode, but apparently they're dating because they were the only two white people at this party for Daryl's cousin. And speaking of Daryl, we don't get a lot of sad cold opens, but we do get one here. Kevin's famous chili is a good funny sad cold open, but this one is genuinely like depressing. Uh, Daryl's grandmother passed away. She was 97 years old, so been in his life for a long time. He's understandably very upset. And Pam, being the office manager, being the kind-hearted person she is, she got him a card and had everyone sign it to show that they were thinking of him. But he opens the card and starts reading and discovers that everybody pretty much thought it was his birthday. And so they're all congratulating him and wishing him a happy day and saying, you deserve this. 
and it is too much for Daryl. As Dwight comes in with a cupcake, blowing a party horn, Andy starts giving Daryl birthday punches, and Daryl just cur- turns to the camera, and we see him crying. <laughs> it's really depressing. I'm, it's it's awful, but uh. it's it's so awful, and yet they it's they still make it seem funny, and you're just feeling for mm-hmm. Daryl, but. Oh, and Pam's painful. just so apologetic. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Michael, so he says that Holly and he are like Romeo and Juliet, and this office is like the dragon that kept them apart. And I think he needs to go back to high school English class. Or rewrite Romeo and Juliet with that story. Or that. I think I like it more. <laughs> that might be better. Uh, uh in regards to the whole no PDA policy, uh, Michael also has a talking head. He says, no, no, it's great. I love working at Dunder Mifflin, a division of Taliban enterprises, because not allowing gross PDA makes you a member of the Taliban. One of my favorite Holly talking heads ever, I think, maybe my favorite. She admits her raw magnetism <laughs> to Michael. I, I used her word there. She says, I cannot keep myself from Michael. Everything he does is sexy. He has this undeniable animal magnetism. He's a jungle cat. The man exudes sex. He can put both legs over his head. And while Holly's saying this, we get this montage of Michael doing utterly unsexy things, like (laughs) trying to catch snacks in his mouth and eating cheese puffs and being covered in cheese dust and just looking dead-eyed out in the open. Like, he's just... (laughs) And I think those are the same cheese puffs, the same cheese balls as from Michael Scott Paper Company. Yeah, probably. It's that same uh, tub. <laughs> he looks like a toddler waiting on his mother to bring a wet wipe. <laughs> like yeah. He's just sitting there covered in this stuff. Jim coming back uh, at his desk, making a sales call, uh, very drunk. He stumbles over his words when speaking with the client and uh, Dwight imitates him. And Jim finds it hilarious. He has this this like huge smile on his face like oh man that is so funny and so he decides to give dwight a valentine card and so he's filling it out and dwight says you're filling that out now it wasn't meant for me i won't be your valentine and jim just says on nuts and then he snickers it's like everything's so funny to him i kind of wish this was their relationship like all the time a little bit uh because drunk jim just like loves everything so we had quite a few andy and aaron moments in this episode Andy starts off the episode strong because he accidentally completed Stanley's Sudoku. So the camera pans over to Stanley and he's just staring down Andy with his bulging eyes. And he's like, don't, don't look at Stanley. He is livid. Um, so Stanley's day is occupied. <laughs> at the end of the whole Andy Aaron thing, uh, they are in, in the break room at the vending machine where the, the final clue is and it's a cookie. And so it's at B9 on the, the vending machine. And she says, B9, like benign tumor. Oh, that is, yeah, so romantic. That's exactly exact what he was going for. And he's just, you know, maybe it's more like be mine. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Mm. Aaron and Andy are led to Daryl's office for the next step of a treasure hunt. Um, and they worry about bothering Daryl with their talking. There's a uh, boombox in Daryl's office. So Andy says, well, maybe we should talk outside. We don't want to make Daryl mad. Aaron says, well, not if we're talking like this. I think it's okay. He doesn't seem to hear us. And they kind of pause. And he says, oh, I think he can hear us. Well, that makes sense because I feel like I'd be able to hear us at this level. <laughs> Daryl. Daryl's a jerk. 
No, he's not. No, I'm just testing to see if he can hear us. Daryl <laughs> says, I can hear you. <laughs> and they're just having this whole whispered conversation like two feet from his face. And they finally hit play on the boombox as well. And it's one of Gabe's soundscapes that he talked about back at viewing party. And uh, over the soundscape, he is going, the temp at night, the temp at night, the temp at night. And that's the whole clue. And I'd be lying if I said the temp at night and that sort of loop just sort of got stuck, get stuck in my head sometimes. That <laughs> It just happens. The temp at night. So in the middle of this freak out that Michael's having regarding possibly breaking up with Holly and all that, well, there's, there's a funny Michael moment and a funny Dwight moment. Michael, in the middle of this freak out, has a movie idea. <laughs> um, he says... Boner Bomb, starring Jason Statham, or we go against type with an Eisenberg or a Michael Sarah. Dwight says, movie idea? Michael says, no. And then into the recorder, saving the world has never been this hard. <laughs> um, so even in the middle of a, of a meltdown, he can't not think of a movie idea. And then Dwight um, is just there rocking Michael in his desk chair. He's not, he's just rocking the chair back mm-hmm. and forth, really. Um, like he's, rocking a baby and he's just shushing Michael. It's just, he's trying. And that's also when Kevin is making the faces at Michael through the, the window blinds. Uh, Kevin's really funny in this episode, by the way, I have a few Kevin moments. He's making funny faces and Michael says, or when Dwight first walks in, he says, stop, you're hurting him. And he closes the blinds. Uh, But then Dwight later suggests, okay, make more stupid faces. And Kevin says, which one? I have a lot of stupid faces. And so Michael suggests the monkey face. And so Kevin does the monkey face. He jumps up and down. Uh, then he starts going to the squirrel. And Michael, nope, nope, back to the monkey. I need the monkey. And he's like crying. I love that, that, that face so much. I love that face so much. And Kevin starts pretending to throw his poop, just like monkeys do. Uh, it's really silly, but it's Kevin. So, yeah. Also, Kevin, he at the beginning of the episode, wants to join into this conversation regarding Michael and Holly's PDA, where everyone is kind of bashing the PDA. He says, I don't know, guys, I for one enjoy watching them because, and everyone stops him. No, 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 no. We don't want to hear it. It's going to be gross. Don't talk about it. And he kind of fights back. He says, can I finish? Is that okay? Can I finish? As I was saying, I enjoy watching them because it makes me horny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, 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 we shouldn't have let you finish. Nope. That's exactly what we thought you were going to say. <laughs> and when Dwight announces during the conference room meeting that he's had intercourse in the office and he starts pointing out other people, he says, as has Angela, as has Ryan, as has Kelly, as has Meredith, as has Phyllis, as has Daryl, Creed, Michael, and Holly. And Kevin adds in, as has Kevin. Angela scoffs and says, with who? And he responds, she goes to another school. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work when you have been out of school for probably about 20 years at this point. This one line from Gabe just really grosses me out slash makes me laugh. He simply says, no one is a bigger fan of sexual touching than me. Ugh. And that's not a visual many of us need. No, It's funny, right before that, Michael was sort of suggesting that... Uh, you don't know what it is like to love a woman and have her love you back. And here he is in the middle of a relationship with Aaron and he's sort of indignant about that, but he doesn't say anything. The last Kevin moment I have when Michael announces that he and Holly are moving in together, Michael says, thank you, Oscar. This must be tough for you watching this go down. You could not stand in the way of true love, my friend. 
And Oscar says, are you kidding? I wasn't trying to break you guys up. And Kevin joins in the, the poking fun at Oscar that Michael has been doing. He says, better luck next time, pal. And Oscar then tells them uh, a little bit later uh, to go ahead, kiss each other. And so they do. And Kevin just says, suck it, Oscar. This must kill you. And Oscar says, I just told them to do it. It's my idea. My last few are uh, various talking heads from people describing their perfect Valentine's Day ideas. Dwight says, my perfect Valentine's Day? I'm at home. Three cell phones in front of me fielding desperate calls from people who want to buy one of the 50 restaurant reservations I made over six months ago. So he's on top of it. We've also seen um, his Princess Unicorn dolls for Christmas. So he likes to hold holiday gifts and traditions over people's heads and, and collect them and sell them back to them. I, I guess know. so. There was also a conflicting one. Uh, we got a Ryan talking head and a Kelly talking head about their perfect Valentine's days, and they are very different. Kelly says, flowers, diamonds, three-course meal, violinist comes to my table to serenade me, and she's cut off. She goes on and on. Uh, but Ryan says, anyone can be Prince Charming one day a year with the dinner and the flowers and all that. But you know what impresses me? When a guy can do that, no days a year. <laughs> um, and then Kevin's is actually kind of sweet. He says, pizza, soda, the moon, someone to share it with. Yeah, that, that last one's less important, I think, to him. He, he wants the first <laughs> ones. <laughs> uh, uh, talking about the Ryan one, just real quick. Uh, I can't imagine he has a whole lot of love for Valentine's Day after his whole relationship with Kelly started when he accidentally hooked up with her the day before Valentine's Day back in season two. So mm-hmm. he's probably not all that fond of the holiday. <laughs> The last funny moment I have to mention is from Hank. We don't get a whole lot of Hank in the series, but uh, when Aaron and Andy go down for the treasure hunt that Gabe has set up, uh, he says, or he he gives her the sparkling grape juice or whatever it is, and he says, I'm now supposed to tell you to enjoy a mid-hunt break and look for a heart or some beep (laughs) in the break room when you're through. Uh, he's just like, I I couldn't have the least bit of interest in this stuff, but here's what I was told to say. So you can take it or leave it. (laughs) We also have quite a few deleted scenes for this episode, as well as a commentary, uh, which we haven't had a commentary in a long time. Mm -hmm. Deleted scenes. um, Drunk Jim tells Dwight that he doesn't say it enough, but Jim thinks he's really funny. Dwight has a talking head. He says, I'm not known for my sense of humor. That would appall me, but I have one. (laughs) I find inversions of fortune funny, upside down houses, how a man spends his hard-earned money on art, how a map distorts the size of Antarctica. Tickling always makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) The last one's so human. Yeah. It's like, these are all very Dwight sense of humor traits, but Mm -hmm. I also like being tickled. (laughs) Uh, Phyllis asks in the break room, do you think Holly and Michael will get married? And Kevin says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's real gross about it. He says it a few times. And Angela asks, what is this whole thing you're doing? He says, well, it's obvious, Angela, they're going to get married. And then Meredith speaks up and says, am I the only one who really liked AJ? And Creed speaks up at this point and says, you know, I never let myself get close to him. That's on me. (laughs) It's okay, Creed. We forgive you for not getting close to AJ. He seems really beat up about it. Michael, while sitting in Holly's lap in the conference room, says that they could go back and forth all day discussing what is and is not PDA. 
is saying hello, PDA, is patting someone on the back, is touching a crotch. Pam says, no, no, yes. <laughs> Michael calls them hypocrites. They all do this stuff, right? Kelly claims to have never done PDA in the office, and both Ryan and Michael disagree. Yeah, Michael's response to Kelly is, my head just exploded listening to you. I have no idea how to respond. (laughs) Um, This next deleted scene is hysterical. Phyllis asks everybody, are are we coming down too hard on Michael and Holly? And Oscar says, no. Says, hey, Jim and Pam. And they're still very drunk. Do you think we're being unreasonable? And they just give completely nonsense answers. Jim stands up and he rolls up his sleeves for a good like 10 seconds before he says anything. Uh, Pam says, what are you doing? He just says, sleeves. <laughs> and he says, I think everyone's points are really excellent. And I think at the end of the day, what we have to remember definitely is what is reasonable. <laughs> and Pam speaks up and says, no, I think that the most important thing is to just ignore everything he just said. Just kidding. I love him. It's just, it's 100%. 100%. And no one knows what they mean. No one knows what they're talking about. So Oscar says, do you feel stifled by our rules on PDA? And Pam says, yes. And seeing everybody's reactions, I mean, no, no. And then turns to Jim, no. (laughs) And Jim says, let's take a vote. (laughs) On what? What are we taking a vote on? And nobody knows, but Pam and Jim both raise their hands. And Pam turns to Jim and says, I'm with you. And Dwight just asks, do you even know what PDA means? This made me laugh so hard because one of my bosses, um, he's just, he talks like that. He'll walk in and be like, you know, and, and you go in the place and there's like the thing and it's all about the thing. And then, and then it's there. And you're like, what are you saying? No I, I one didn't knows quite follow. <laughs> uh, and you just kind of have to agree with him and not along. Um, this, this next deleted scene's a short one. Jim and Pam go in the elevator and pull the emergency lever presumably to stall the elevator to, I don't know, maybe have sex, but a loud buzzer sounds and they run out in panic. Yep. She says, I told you it made a buzzing sound. (laughs) Sorry, you're right. (laughs) Uh, We get an extended scene of Andy and Aaron in the lobby uh, down at Hank's place. Uh, They have a conversation about Andy saying, you know, they say that we're going to run out of fresh water, but I think everything's going to work out. Aaron says, yeah, I have faith in the president and Congress or whatever. And he says, are you Republican or Democrat? She says, both. He says, how's that? I joined both parties. And he says, you know, I always wish I could vote for both candidates. She says, I agree. They both made it so far. They're obviously going to do great. Either one of them. Mm, uh, 45 has some words to say about that. Um, (laughs) And then Aaron starts to tell a story about going wine tasting with Gabe. And Andy, showing how much he knows Aaron, says, you hate wine. You don't like wine. She says, well, I'm trying to like it. And the the rest of the story is the guy who opened the bottle gave her the cork and she didn't know what to do with it. So she put it in her mouth and they both laugh about it. Then we get a series of talking heads. Angela has one where she says, the senator is pampering her tonight. Dinner out, then homemade marzipan. Then at 8.30, he has to meet his aide, Thomas, to talk about work. On Valentine's Day. Of course, we remember what Oscar presumes about the senator. The state senator. Then The state senator, yes. <laughs> then Oscar has a talking head regarding Valentine's Day plans. He says a little BBC America, a little Vietnamese food, a little Pinot, 
a little Google Map Street view of Paris. He says, c'est magnifique. And it's a little everything. A little BBC America. A little Vietnamese food. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love that. Uh, Meredith is weighing her options for Valentine's Day. She says, you know, I think I might go bike down to the wharf, see what's cooking down there. Yeah, communal Valentine's Day uh, at the, the, the wharf. And then there's a Stanley talking head. Um, presumably he's taking someone out to dinner, his wife or his girlfriend, we're not sure. One of them. He says, I will not buy a flower in a restaurant from a beggar. If you try to sell me a flower while I'm eating my chicken parm, you better cover your balls. <laughs> he goes, whack. <laughs> And the last deleted scene is a sweet one. Uh, Jim and Pam are waiting in the lobby for their taxi to get back home to Cece. And uh, Jim says, you know, I can't believe that our Valentine's Day is over. And Pam says, you know, it was a good Valentine's Day, though. And they just sit there waiting. And that's the the end of the deleted scenes. It's a nice moment. As I mentioned, we do have a commentary. They talked a lot about the episode, but it wasn't, I don't know. It, It wasn't a super informative commentary, although it was entertaining. It had Angela Kinsey, Ellie Kemper, Kelly Cantley, who was the first AD on the episode, Greg Daniels, Robert Padnick, the writer, Claire Scanlon, an editor, and Brian Baumgartner. It was Padnick's uh, first writing credit for the show. Uh, and he, he jokes at early in the commentary, he says, everything funny in this episode was ad-libbed, <laughs> which they have a laugh about. But then like one of the very first things you see in the episode is when... Uh, the, the shimmy thing that Michael and Holly do where he sort of drags her back into his office, that was ad-libbed. And so it's it's pretty early on where that, that comes true, The what, what he said comes true. They talk about Ellie Kemper's sister, Carrie Kemper, who we um, is a writer for the show, and she wrote an episode not too long ago, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this season, I believe, and we talked about her a little bit. Um, but they talk about how Carrie defends Aaron's intelligence in the writer's room but when Ellie ad-libs, she kind of tends to play her dumb. And so it's just this back and forth between the writing and the uh, the acting as far as Aaron's intelligence. Mm-hmm. Most recently, she wrote uh, Ultimatum just a couple episodes ago. Yes, that's right. Robert, again, the, the writer of the episode, he said his mother's favorite character is Stanley. And she also loves Sudoku. So he'd had that joke about Andy doing Stanley's Sudoku puzzle in his mind for a while before he even got the job. And so when he got the the chance to write for the show, he obviously had to slip that in pretty early. And I mean, I get I don't want to say it's not true to Stanley's character um, because we normally see him just doing normal crossword puzzles. But who's to say he doesn't do the Sudoku every day as well? So it, it's it's it fits with Stanley and his mannerisms, I think. And it's a fun little nod to his mother. So they filmed this episode over a week, as they usually do, and it was difficult for John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher to remember how drunk they were supposed to be at each moment, filming out of order day to day. So over the course of the episode, they should be getting more and more sober, and they were, but remembering where you are, which scene you're doing, how drunk was I acting yesterday, but this is earlier in the day for the show, so I should be a little bit more drunk, and just that balance of levels of drunk must have been very difficult. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do. The The joke about Andy meeting his current girlfriend at the party because they were the only two white people there was originally written as we were the only two people too shy to talk to anyone else. So that's kind of sweet, but I think it, it it's perhaps funnier that it turned into what it did in the episode. The inspiration for Angela's character, we learn, comes from a woman who Greg Daniels overheard once. It was a paralegal who said something like, now I don't like to say anything bad about people, 
but, and then she would go on to talk badly about people. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of took that phrase, took that idea and ran with it. And that's how Angela was created. It's that whole, no offense, but, or I but. don't want to sound racist, but. It, and then you say something racist. Yeah, that's, that's not the way that works, people. It does not disqualify what you're about to say. They point out that Jim and Pam's first in-office sexual encounter took place in the one door in the office that we've never really been inside or know where it goes to. It's that that door that is in between Meredith's desk and the accounting department. It's it's always closed. We've never been in there, but that's where Jim and Pam come out of. So we don't know if it's maybe a closet of some kind uh, or it leads to another room or something, but uh, that's something I hadn't even considered until they pointed it out in the commentary was that we don't know what that door is for or where it goes. I found myself wondering that during the episode, but I, yeah, we've just never, I, I, I've never even noticed the door, but it was probably there all along. Yeah. They mentioned that there was worry that Michael and Holly said, I love you too early in their story and that it was peaking their story too early. Um, although I think, I mean, we discussed this earlier. I think it makes sense for kind of where they are and the feelings that they've been harboring for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Paul Lieberstein, who's the showrunner at this point in the series, who plays Toby. He was initially against that scene, uh, but then they said that is actually like his favorite scene. Uh, they the, the the performances were so powerful that they were like, "Well, we just have to use this now. We can't use we we can't waste that powerful emotions and powerful acting." Uh, so we fit it in, and it worked really really well, and changed his mind about it too. Uh, now, the glow-in-the-dark stars that were in Ryan's office, uh, the store-bought glow-in-the-dark stars actually weren't powerful enough to appear on camera. So what you see in the episode was like a, a highway paint, one of those really reflective paints or something that is a lot brighter on camera. So you weren't necessarily seeing glow-in-the-dark stars. You were seeing paint, painted stars. So my discussion topic for this episode It's probably pretty obvious, but I just want to hear your thoughts on it. At the end of the treasure hunt in the break room at the vending machine, was Aaron about to kiss Andy after collecting the cookie? And if so, why? Simply because that's what the cookie said to do or other reasons? I don't know. Um, I'd never read it while watching as her actually about to kiss him i think she had considered the notion because of what the cards or the cookie said but then like looking at office quotes it actually says aaron leans in to kiss him so maybe i need to rewatch it with that in mind and see if i do see her leaning in i think if andy had leaned in as well i think she definitely would have kissed him i don't necessarily think she would have kissed him all the way on her own I think like she would have gone halfway and then he would have had to go the other half in order for it to happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm not sure why I think she definitely gets along with Andy. They had a nice Valentine's Day together. She's also kind of gullible and, you know, a cookie told her to do something. She'll probably do it. Don't get me wrong. I love Aaron. But yeah, I, I think given the opportunity and had Andy not interrupted her, However, I don't think Andy would have leaned in no. um, had he not seen Gabe there. I think given his hesitation at the beginning of the episode where he said, are you sure you want me to help you with this? He was pretty aware the whole day of his boundaries. So I don't think anything would have happened. Yeah. And we, we've seen how vehemently against cheating he is and has mm-hmm. been. And for good reason, 
considering his season five story arc. So yeah, I agree. I don't think he would have gone all the way either. Now, getting into our voicemails before we close off the show, we did get a few more this week. Our very first is from Leslie, who's asking a follow-up question from last week's episode. Hey, Chad and Katie, this is Leslie in Alaska. Hey, I'm wondering if I'm the only one who got this mistaken idea that the so-called Professor Scott Powell was actually Ryan on the phone, that he flaked out because he was in embarrassed or afraid to stand up in front of those people uh, at the seminar. And so he and Kelly cooked up this Professor Scott Powell bit so that they weren't totally letting Andy down, but at the same time, then Ryan wouldn't have to stand in front of all the people. To me, it sounded like Ryan on the phone. I don't find any credits anywhere that lists any other actor playing that voice part. Am I the only one that thinks that? Or is there anybody else? Just wondering. Okay, so Leslie, I did go back and rewatch that part of the episode. Um, I can hear where it might sound a little bit like BJ Novak doing the voice, but personally, I don't think it was meant to be Ryan disguising himself. It might have been BJ Novak doing the voice, but I I think the fantasy would have been too much uh, for Ryan and Kelly to come up with. I, I think that this really was supposed to be somebody that Kelly met through the, the print and all colors program. What do you think, Katie? I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think the only evidence to the contrary is because Ryan was so wishy-washy about going on and maybe he could go on if he was in another room on the phone. But I do agree that this is probably a real person who Kelly uh, met and went further than that. <laughs> met and met (laughs) you know met (laughs) okay our next voicemail is from shirley uh, in singapore hi i'm shirley i'm from singapore um i've always been texting you guys uh okay so my question is um if you are single like um especially for katie um would you guys date someone who doesn't like the office and if yes or no why great talking to you guys Thanks. Okay, so let's ask you the question first, Katie. Uh, before you started dating Nathan, uh-huh. did he like The Office? He did. He did. Okay, he so did. that answers that. Would you have dated him if he did not like The Office? Okay, look, you're, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get ousted <laughs> as a co-host here. Yes, um, <laughs> I love the show, but I love him more. Ooh, sappy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yep. oh, that's perfectly acceptable. I, I mean, it's a it's a fun question. It is fun to sort of joke. Uh, I, I could never be with anybody who doesn't like The Office. But I mean. <laughs> but would I marry him if he didn't love The Office? I don't know. <laughs> no, I would. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. It's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. For me, I, I mean, I like my significant other to like the same things as me, but. Do I expect them to love it to the point that they do a podcast about it? Probably not. That's a little bit unfair, I think. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice to have that in common, but it's not what we talk about. No. Like ever. No, so it's not a deal breaker. We ra- I mean, we watch The Office together and that's about as far as that goes. <laughs> Thank you, Shirley, for your voicemail uh, and for the fun question. 
Now, we did get one more voicemail this week from Corey. It's a little long, so we're not going to play it on the show, but he was answering our call for details on the Toby as Scranton Strangler theory. So we'll maybe revisit this at another point in time. Uh, but he did give us a few things that he'd found on the internet somewhere, uh, things that he'd maybe noticed himself in the show that maybe give the theory a little bit of credence. Uh, I'm still going to say I don't buy it, but we'll maybe explore it another time. So thank you, Corey, as well, for calling in with such a detailed voicemail. And with that, that is the end of the official 76th episode of An American Workplace. Contact for the show, facebook.com slash workplace pod or at workplace pod on Twitter. Please consider going over to Apple Podcasts. We listed a lot of people at the start of the show. We'd love to list a lot of more going into future shows. So go over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any feedback or ideas, you can email us, workplacepod at gmail.com, or you can call us. Leave us a voicemail if you want to be heard on the show. Dial 93-PRETS-DAY, that is P-R-E-T-Z-DAY, or 937-738-9329. And if you'd like to hear yourself on the show, keep it short and sweet, keep it to the point. And if you would not like to hear your voice on the show, make sure you say that in the voicemail so we don't play it. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place for me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And my other podcast, Cinescope, which you can find where podcasts can be found, and thecinescopepodcast.com. And show notes and all other contact information for this show can be found at workplacepodcast.com. We have a new Patreon subscriber, Sam. Yay, Sam. Thank you so much for your uh, not just listening and being a, a, a regular listener on the show, but for reaching out and doing that extra step of becoming a Patreon subscriber. We do appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers for their uh, financial support for the show. It helps us reach many more audience members. So we so appreciate your, your efforts, Sam. If you want a shout out and more of an American workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes and live streams, Check out our Patreon page and pick the support level that you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 76 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 77 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season seven, Threat Level Midnight and Todd Packer. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.